Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the Luke Brueger podcast. Today, I want to talk about three ways that you can increase your strength. Before we jump into that, I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. If you could subscribe to this, if you could like it, if you could share it, that would help me. I also believe it would help whoever you share it with. You can post about it. That would be a tremendous help, again, to me and whoever gets to listen to this because you shared it. All right, Uh, I want you to think about what is the hardest thing that you have ever done physically? What's something that was grueling, it was exhausting, something that was super difficult for you to do? Maybe it was a workout that you did, or if you've been a part of a sports team, maybe it was some kind of training that you participated in, a practice session, if you've ever done maybe a 5K or a 10K or a long hike. Maybe you had a job or have a job that's physically demanding. Just get something in your mind that was very difficult for you to do, something that you've done that was super hard. And then along with those things that you have done that were very difficult, there's probably some things that you've tried to do and you failed or things that you, you knew better than to even attempt them because you knew it was beyond your physical capacity. You knew that you couldn't lift that amount of weight or you couldn't go that far. You just, you didn't, you knew you didn't have the strength to do it. For me, one of the most difficult things that I've ever done physically is running a marathon. I've run several marathons. That's 26.2 miles. That's as far as I've ever pushed myself physically. So I have done that. But what I haven't done is I've never done an ultra marathon and I haven't even attempted it. I've just known better. I've never been that fit. I've never been in good enough shape. An ultra marathon is, uh, you know, they have 50 mile races and 100 mile races and even beyond that. And I don't have the strength, the capacity to do that. So we've all got things that have been difficult that we have done physically. You had the strength, you had the ability. And then another category of things that you have not been able to do, that you failed at it or you didn't even attempt it. And the difference between those two categories, what separates them is your level of strength or your level of stamina, the the power that you have physically. And as your physical strength increases, what also increases is your ability, the possibilities of things that you you are able to do because your strength has gone up, your ability also goes up. And there's lots of examples of this when it comes to just our physical ability. You know, there was a point in time where you didn't have the strength to be able to stand. If you took a, a baby that was one week old and you tried to stand it up and let it go, it would just, it would collapse. Its legs aren't strong enough. It doesn't have the ability to stand on its own. But you've gotten to a point where probably you can stand for a long time and you don't even, you don't even think anything of it. You don't consider that uh, a feat of strength to stand up um, because you've developed a level of strength that moved what used to be impossible for you now to something that's simple. There was a point in time where my kids were learning to walk. I've got four daughters. I can remember them taking their first steps and it was, it was exciting. It was my, you know, my wife and I almost in tears, clapping, hugging our, our daughter, you know, when she took her first step, so exciting, call the grandparents, write it in the baby book. Hopefully we got a, you know, a picture, we recorded it. It was like an enormous thing. And when they were first learning to walk, I can even remember keeping track of their steps. 
She took four steps today. It was amazing. Four steps in a row. Almost got the fifth step. She's doing so good. It, it was a major thing. It was exciting. It was a huge accomplishment. Well, now my oldest daughter is 18. My youngest daughter is eight. I don't keep track of how many steps they take anymore. You'd think I was crazy if I, I did keep track of their steps because what used to be went from impossible to a major accomplishment. Now it's, it's just a mundane part of, of life, which is just a regular thing. They take steps all the time, no big deal. Because that, that strength has increased, it went from impossible to a huge accomplishment to super commonplace. Another example is the, the, your shoes, the strength that you have to lift your, your shoe. There was a point in time when you were, again, a, a couple days old, where however heavy your shoes are, you didn't have the strength necessary to lift up a shoe. Well, now you lift them up and put them down so many times a day that it, you couldn't keep track of it. It went from being something too difficult for you to do to where now it's too easy. It happens almost effortlessly. It's too easy for you to even keep, keep track of. It just happens like in the background. You just, it's going on automatically as you walk around. You're not thinking of picking up your shoe and putting it back down again. So what happened to move something from a category of it is too difficult, I cannot do it, to now where it's so easy, it's too easy for me to even keep track of. What moved it from one category to another is that your strength increased, and as your strength increased, it went from too hard to too easy. Now, I'm using, I'm using a physical example because it's an easy example, but there's other areas in our, life, our lives where we need to gain strength. You can, you can grow stronger in relationships. You can have strong relationships or weak relationships. A strong marriage or a weak marriage, a strong friendship, a weak friendship, strong relationship with your parent or child or weak. So that's an area where you can gain strength. People can be mentally strong, strong in their minds, or they can be weak in their minds. People can be strong emotionally or weak emotionally. They're just all over the place, unstable. And of course, spiritually, you can be strong or, or you can be weak. And as Christians, if you are a follower of Jesus, really being strong isn't even an option. It's something that we have been instructed, commanded. You are supposed to be strong. God wants you not weak. He wants you as a strong man of God, a strong woman of God. Joshua 1.9, God says, have I not commanded you, not suggested to you, not made it an option if you'd like to be strong. He says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. And that's not just an Old Testament thing passage, an Old Testament instruction. In the New Testament, we have passages like Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's instruction. It's a command. It's an imperative. Be strong in the Lord. So it's a matter of obedience for us to do what we need to do to get ourselves strong and growing stronger. I want to talk about that importance, how important it is for us to be strong spiritually in the things of God, and a few ways that the Bible gives us that we can increase our strength. Let me start with Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint, if you fall down, if you collapse in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The New Living says it like this. If you fail under pressure, 
your strength is too small. So it's talking about a person who maybe they look, they look fine, no obvious problems, look to be doing all right. But when a day of adversity, a time of adversity comes, and adversity means something is against you, something is opposing you, like an adversary is someone who is in opposition to you. So in a day, in a circumstance, when you come against someone, something that is opposing you, or like the New Living says, when pressure comes, the person looks like they're doing okay, but when any kind of pressure, any kind of obstacle, any kind of difficulty comes, they fail, they collapse. It's, it's telling us what the problem here, and this is, this is very important that we understand. What this verse is giving us is it's like a diagnostic. It's diagnosing why someone would fail, why maybe you've had times where you have failed, you haven't been able to succeed in an area, you keep suffering setbacks. A diagnosis is important because when you get a proper diagnosis, it lets you know how to handle the problem. What am I going to do about it? Not just that I have a problem, what am I going to do to fix the problem? It's, it's very, very important. If you had a headache and you went to the doctor, the reason for that headache is going to be very important. If they said you have a headache because you're dehydrated, that's very different than you have a, a headache because there's a crack in your skull or you have a headache because there's a, a vertebrae in your neck that's out of alignment. You, the reason you're having headaches is because you're allergic to something. It's because you have a sinus infection. The, that diagnosis is going to determine the proper treatment to fix the problem. If you, are, you have a headache because you're dehydrated, you need to drink more water. Well, that's very different than if your skull is cracked in the proper treatment. If your headache is because you are allergic to something, that's a different kind of treatment. The way you approach that is different than if your headache is, is caused by uh, something is out of alignment in, in your neck. So when the Bible gives us this diagnosis, it lets us know what we can do to correct the problem. And you don't have to fail. You don't, you, we can gain strength so that we don't suffer setbacks and failures. But you, you've probably had some area in your life where you have suffered a failure, a setback, where you weren't able to succeed in some area. Maybe it was an area of temptation. Maybe it was uh, something that you wanted to be able to accomplish, the kind of man, the kind of husband, the kind of wife, the kind of mom, just the kind of woman or person that you want to be and you haven't been able to accomplish it. And maybe it was an area where you were, you were tempted and you failed. You caved in. You knew that you shouldn't gossip, but you ended up gossiping. You knew you should tell the truth, but you didn't tell the truth. You knew that you were supposed to say something. I, I should tell these people about the Lord, but you didn't have the strength. You, you didn't do it. Or you knew that you shouldn't say something. I need to keep my mouth closed, but you didn't keep your mouth closed. You talked about somebody or something, told jokes that you shouldn't, you shouldn't tell. You knew you were supposed to go someplace, but you didn't go. You stayed. Or, or you, were, you knew you were supposed to stay, but you didn't stay. You went someplace you knew you shouldn't be. All kinds of different areas that, that maybe you failed. And here's one of the reasons that this is so incredibly important. When you, when you have failed, the enemy will try to provide a diagnosis and he will try to tie in the reason for that failure has to do with your identity. He'll always go after your identity. The, the reason that you, you knew you were supposed to say something and you didn't, you got nervous about it, he will give you the diagnosis. The reason for that is because you are a coward. That's why. You, you knew you shouldn't look at that, but you did look at it. And the reason is, 
is because you are a pervert. You are a drunk. You are an addict. You are you are a liar. You are a thief. The reason that that happened, the reason you failed that, you are a crappy father. You are a lousy mother. You're a no good husband. You're a no good wife. You're, you, you're a horrible example of a Christian. The reason that you failed, he will diagnose it and try to tie in your identity. And it, the reason he does that is if he can get you to tie that in with your identity, that you're stuck. That, that's just who you are. But this is giving us a diagnosis that's different. The reason that people fail, a time of adversity, a time of pressure, if you fail in the day of adversity, if you faint, here's the diagnosis, your strength is small. Well, if that's the, if that's the diagnosis, well, I, the way I'm going to treat it is different. Because the Bible gives me ways that I can increase my strength so I can go from small strength to large strength. I don't have to fail there anymore. I don't have to faint in that same situation. That I can succeed as a husband. I can be a godly dad. I can walk in purity. I can walk in righteousness. I'm, I'm not stuck. And this is incredibly important. And I, I could talk a long time about this. But people behave from how they see themselves. The way that you see yourself determines, be, determines behavior. That's why the enemy tries to go after identity because if you can capture identity, he captures all kinds of different areas of, of behavior. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The way you see yourself, you're going to live like that. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, they're dealing with sexual sins, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He says, don't you realize, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? He, he equated their behavior, wrong behavior, was with a wrong way of seeing themselves. So this is, this is a reason it's so important for us to know God, to press into the things of God, because the more you know God, the more you know who you are, because you've been made in his image. You've been made in his likeness. You're a son of God. You're a, you're a daughter of God. You have the spirit of God dwelling, dwelling on, on the inside of you. That your life, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, your life is hidden in Christ. That if I want to find myself, I need to find, just like anything else, you need to find your keys, you need to look where your keys are. You need to find yourself, your life is hidden in Christ, that's where you need to look. So the more I know Jesus, the more I realize who I am. That when you look into the Word of God, you're, you're not just learning about God when you study Scripture, you're actually learning about who you are and finding your identity as well. In the book of James, James refers to the scriptures, the, the perfect law of liberty. So as we look into it, it's like looking into a mirror, which is, is very interesting because he could have used any analogy that he wanted to use. He could have said that when we look into the word of God, it's like looking through a window and we can see off in the distance the holiness, the splendor, the wonders of who God is. But he doesn't say that. He says when you look into the, the word of God, it's like looking in a mirror. When you decide to go look in a mirror, who is it that you want to see when you when you look in a mirror? Well, unless you're, you know, the wicked witch from Snow White or something, and you're looking at a, a magic mirror to see somebody else. If you're a normal person with a normal mirror, you look in the mirror to see yourself. So it says, when I look into the word of God, I learn about who I see myself in here. That I look into God's word, I find out that I'm, I'm forgiven, that I'm clean, that I'm, I'm set free from sin. I don't have to fail anymore, that I'm special. I'm a son of God. There's a call on my life, that God has put gifts on the inside of me. I look into the word of God and I find out who I am. So your, your identity is incredibly important. So the diagnostic of why you have failed or why you would fail, the Bible says if you fail when things are tough, if you fail in a day of adversity, you fail when a temptation comes, here's the proper diagnosis. 
lose. It's not because you're a loser. It's not because you, you are a pervert. It's not because you're just a, a terrible person. The reason is your strength is small. Well, we can do something about that. God's word gives us ways that we can increase our strength. I want to share a couple of them. This is not a complete list. I want to give three of them to you. And the first one I want to talk about is in Daniel chapter 11. In Daniel chapter 11, Daniel 11 is uh, a prophetic chapter. In fact, it is so, some people say it is the most specific section of prophecy that we have in the Bible. It's so specific and so accurate. The things that it's talked about have ever, already happened so that there are some Bible scholars that, that don't believe that it's even prophecy. They believe that it was written after the fact, that it, it, there's no way it could be that specific. It had to be somebody added this afterwards. But all scripture is God-breathed and it's inspired. So it's not deceiving us, pretending to be prophecy. God, God has the ability to prophesy specifically and to give prophecy accurately. And so in, in Daniel chapter 11, it's talking about, it's an angel explaining things to Daniel and things that were going to happen in the future. Talking about different nations that would rise. There's a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom, and this king comes to power, and this ruler comes to power, and this happens, and Jerusalem's kind of caught in between this northern and southern kingdom, and he, he explains the rise and fall of different kingdoms, and all of it happened exactly as Daniel prophesied that, that it would happen. And as he's prophesying about what was going to happen in the future, he said that there would be one person that would rise to power, that they would, they would stop the sacrifices in the temple. In in Jerusalem, and that there would be an abomination of desolation in, in the temple. Well, as, as time went on after Daniel, there was the rise and fall of these kingdoms. There was a man named Antiochus who rose to power. He invaded Jerusalem, and he put an end to, to the sacrifices. And his name was Antiochus. He added Epiphanes on to his name. He was evil. He was arrogant. The Epiphanes means God manifest. So it lets you know what he thought of himself. He thought he was God incarnate. He thought he, thought he was Zeus in, in bodily form. And so he stopped the sacrifices to, to God in the temple. And he set up a pagan altar in the temple. And he had pigs sacrificed on it to Zeus, which essentially sacrificing to himself. Some people say that he made the, the Jewish priests eat the pigs that had been sacrificed to him or to Zeus in the, in the temple in Jerusalem. So it was the abomination of desolation. It was a horrible thing to set up a false altar. Pigs were are unclean in Jewish law. And to sacrifice them, they were not even allowed to be there, let alone be sacrificed to a false god there. So it was a fulfillment of prophecy. But then Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 24, when he's asked about the, the end times, what kinds of things are going to be going on. He says one of the things to look out for is the abomination of desolation, referring back to what Daniel talked about. So he said it's going to happen in the future. So one of the things in prophecy is that there is an already not yet aspect of some of these prophecies that it's been fulfilled on one level, but it's going to have a future fulfillment as well. And this guy Antiochus Epiphanes, was a, he was a fulfillment of that prophecy, but he was also a type of the coming Antichrist. So I'm sharing all of that, just that, that this instruction that's given, this wisdom that's given in Daniel chapter 11 that applied to these people that lived in a type of end times with people that were very against the people of God and able to succeed, that we can apply that to the day and the time that we live in, that we live in the last, the, the end times. 
And so in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, but the people who know their God, when all this craziness is going on, when people are against God's people, trying to do terrible things to them, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That's important because it's good instruction, but we also know this is, this is a specific, the most specific accurate book of prophecy that we have in the Bible. And it says, amongst all of this super specific instruction, the people who know their God, the, the result of knowing their God will be what? They will be strong and they'll carry out great exploits. They'll be able, they'll have incredible ability to do things for God. Why will they have that ability to carry out great exploits? Well, because they're going to have great strength. Well, where does that great strength comes from? That, that great strength comes from knowing God. So the first way that you can increase in your strength is to increase in your knowledge of God. And I've talked about some of that already, but you can grow in your biblical knowledge. Study the word of God. You'll, you'll find out who you are, but you'll also find out who God is. Learn his ways. Learn his character. Learn what he likes, what he doesn't like. Learn what promises, what what instruction there is in the word of God. Grow in your biblical knowledge. You can also grow in your intimacy with the Lord. What does your time look like on a daily basis? What does your fellowship look like continually throughout the day as you spend time with the Lord? Your time in the secret place, your, your prayer life, your listening for his voice, your time in his presence, just fellowshipping with the Lord. Grow in your intimacy. And that passage lets us know that as you grow in your knowledge, the more you know God, that your knowledge isn't the only thing growing. What's also growing is your strength. And when your strength is growing, that's not the only thing growing. What's also growing is your ability, because as your strength goes up, like we talked about physically, also your ability grows up. The people who know their God the result is they will be strong. And because they are so strong, they'll have the ability to do great things for his kingdom. So number one is grow in your knowledge. You'll grow in your strength. Next one, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking. One translation says his eyes run to and fro. He is looking for people that he can put his strength on the inside of them. He's looking to make people strong. God wants you strong. He's looking for people he can strengthen. And it's not just anyone that can handle it. It's not just anyone that makes themselves eligible. Who is it? Those who are fully committed to him, that their hearts are fully committed. So a second way that you can grow in strength, receive the strength of God, is to increase in your commitment. Be fully committed to the Lord. Fully trusting. Your eyes are on Him. You're all in. Don't, don't divide out your loyalty. That You kind of like church. You kind of like the things of God. But you also have a few side things. You know you shouldn't be enjoying this certain pleasure. But, you know, you, you also uh, kind of have a relationship with God. That you're straddling the fence. Be fully, fully committed. In the book of James, James chapter 1, it says a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways because they're, they're, they're kind of over here, they're kind of over there. They're kind of going one direction. They, they kind of go after the things of God, but they also kind of don't. That they're unstable. They're like a wave of the sea. That's weakness. It's a lack of strength. Everything moves them. They're, they're just constantly being tossed around that that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, including strength. But a person who can expect to receive from the Lord 
strength is a person whose heart is fully committed. My trust, my hope, my adoration, I am fully, be all in on the things of God. If you're going to serve the Lord, why not serve him all the way? It doesn't make sense to serve him partially. Be fully committed to the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, starting verse 29, says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's another passage talking about God's desire. He gives power to the weak and those who have no might. He's looking to increase their strength. It says that young people will faint. They'll be weary. Young people will fall. That's all perfectly natural. People get tired. But you can receive a, a supernatural strength that you don't, you don't follow the natural pattern where failure and getting tired and messing up all the time is just par for the course. You can step into another category of person, those who wait on the Lord, those who are expectant, those who trust him, those who are fully committed to them. It says that they renew their strength. And as a result of them having that strength from the Lord, here's what they can expect, that they, they run, they don't get weary. They walk and they don't faint. Well, those, those are categories of things that are natural. People run, people, people walk. Those are natural things. But people do that and they get weary and they, they fail. It says you can do what's natural, but you can do it with a supernatural ability. Being a mom, being a dad, being a businessman, being a leader, whatever it is that people do naturally. People run businesses. People are husbands and wives. People have families, all that kind of stuff. You can do it with a supernatural strength residing on the inside of you where you won't experience the setbacks and failures that regular people do. You'll, you'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. Well, those are natural things. You can do what's natural supernaturally. Then he says, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. Well, pe people don't fly naturally. Now he's talking about something supernaturally that you'll be able to do. So this is saying you can receive a kind of strength on the inside of you from, from the Lord that you can do what is natural supernaturally and you can do what is supernatural naturally. That you can, things, things that would be impossibilities, nobody lives like that. Nobody has that kind of success. Nobody walks in that kind of holiness. Nobody is that effective. Nobody has that kind of marriage. Nobody raises kids like that. You can do what's supernatural and it's like second nature. You do it naturally. And what's natural, you can do it supernaturally. How do we do it? Those who wait, those who trust, those who are committed, those who are reliant on the Lord. So number one, knowing God, grow in your knowledge of God, grow in your trust, your commitment, your loyalty to the Lord is number two. And the third one that I want to talk about is prayer. You can increase strength by increasing your knowledge. You can increase your strength by being fully committed to the Lord. And it's also something we can increase by praying about it. Psalm 86. Psalm 86 is a prayer of David. And it's, it's a prayer that we can use as a pattern. And when you see prayers in the word of God, pay, pay close attention because it's a great way to learn how to be more effective in your prayer life. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. That's a, a pattern that we can learn how to pray from. Ephesians chapter 1, there's a prayer that Paul prays. You can learn from that prayer, learn how to pray and be effective. Ephesians chapter 3, same thing. Well, Psalm 86 is a prayer of David, a man who is after God's own heart, 
And so you can learn that. I, I like to use that and just take line by line and use it like prayer points and just pray my way through it. And I'm praying after that example, that model prayer that we've been given. And as he's praying in verse 16, he says, Oh, turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant. God, I serve you. I'm all yours. I want that strength so I can honor you more. Put your strength. Give me strength. Give strength to your servant so we, we can pray for it for strength and receive it that way. When we pray, we've got to pray in faith. You've got to pray expectantly. And the way that we are able to do that is by knowing that we're praying according to the will of God. So let me give you a couple more verses to build on that. Psalm 89 verse 15, it says, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long in your wonderful reputation they exalt in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. It pleases God to make you strong. When we want to get stronger and, and increase our ability to serve and be effective in life, it's not something that God is resistant to. It pleases him. It's a delight to him. It says it pleases God to make us strong. That goes along with what we read in Second Chronicles, that God is his eyes are running to and fro, searching for someone to make strong. Why does he do that? Because it pleases him. If there's something that you are, it pleases you to do, you, you look for opportunities to do it. I, I like to eat uh, good food when I go to different towns. I like to try to find places to get coffee and because it pleases me to have those experience to go to different restaurants and to, to eat something unique or to find a, a good place to get coffee. Because that pleases me, I, I'm seeking to do it. I, I go out of my way. I've got apps on my phone where I can read reviews and try to, to, to find. I just had someone this morning, they're in a town they know that I've been in. They asked me, where's a good place to eat? Where's a good place to get coffee? Because they know that I've sought it out. Why? It pleases me. When there's something that pleases you, you're looking to do it. You're looking for opportunities. That's what it's telling us about the Lord. It pleases God to make us strong. That's why his eyes are running to and fro. He wants so badly to put his strength on the inside of you if you allow him to do it. And we're talking about ways that open up that avenue so he can do what he wants to do. Psalm 92.10 says, But my horn thou shalt exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. My horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. That that's a, sounds like a weird thing to say. But when the Bible talks about horns, it's symbolic. It can be symbolic of a king or a kingdom, and that's what's represented by a horn. Or when it's using it, talking about an individual like this verse, talking about my horn, it's talking about strength, it's talking about power, it's talking about authority, ability, and this is saying that God exalts my horn or God exalts my, my ability. He exalts my strength. Well, what does it mean to exalt? If, if I have this bottle of water I'm holding in my hand and I exalt it, that means I move it from one level, I lift it, I lift it higher. Well, once I stop lifting it, I've stopped exalting it. 
I've got to continue to lift it higher and higher or I'm no longer exalting it. It says that God exalts my horn. He exalts my strength. That's what he wants to do in our lives. That means you're continually getting stronger and stronger, which means your ability, your impact, your influence, your effectiveness is always on the increase. You can go further. You can do more. You can have more impact than ever before. God doesn't want you to plateau. That no matter how strong you are, how long you've been serving the Lord, there's, you can get stronger and gain ability. He exalts. He wants to lift up your strength. Ever increasing strength is available, is available to us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. How? Incredible ability. Unlimited ability. Why? I can do all things through Christ. How do I do it through Christ? Who strengtheneth me. He puts his strength on the inside of me. And as God gives us strength, you know what goes on as our strength goes up? Our ability. I can do all things as a result of Christ exalting my strength. Again, Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord in the power of his might, his strength operating on the inside of us. I want to read one more verse. And then we'll kind of wrap it up back to Psalm 86, verse 16. I read it earlier. Oh, turn to me. This is David praying and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Verse 17 says, show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. This is something that he's praying. We, we can follow this model prayer. Put a strength on the inside of me and give me a sign, show me a sign. A sign is something that you can see. It's visible, it's obvious, it's, it's something tangible. Show me a sign, what, what kind of sign? A sign that those who hate me, those who oppose me, the adversity, the pressure that I'm feeling, whether it's a person, maybe it's a situation, maybe it's a spiritual force working, working against your life, working against your family, working against your purity, working against your destiny, working against your marriage, a signs, a, a level of strength that becomes so obvious, it shames whatever's against you, whatever force, whatever person, whatever that situation is. Show me a sign that those who hate me may see it. They, they, can, they notice it. You don't have to tell them about it. It's not something that kind of theoretically uh, I've asked the Lord for strength and it's kind of changed the way I operate. That even my enemies can see it and it's so obvious and so blatant and so clear, it shames those. It's embarrassed. It's a major setback for everyone that's trying to set you back, for every force that's trying to work against you, that we can pray that way. Father, put your strength inside of your servant and let me see something tangible. Let it be obvious that where I used to fail, I don't fail anymore. In fact, I've gotten so strong, my enemies see it and they are humiliated. It, it is a, a shame to them. They are shamed because of the level of strength, the level of effectiveness, the level of success that I'm walking in. It's important that you are strong in the Lord. And so I want to give you a few questions to ask yourself. One is, where are you getting a diagnosis? Where are you getting either a proper or improper diagnosis when you've had setbacks and failures. And again, you can, you can walk at a level where you have no setbacks and failures, but the enemy will even try to get failures from 10 years ago and try to attach your identity and diagnose. The reason you failed back then is because you might be trying to hide it, but it's because you are a pervert. It is because you are a drunk, whatever it is. The diagnosis from the Word of God is if you have a failure, your strength is small and you can grow that strength. So are you fully trusting God? 
It's one of the things we talked about, 2 Chronicles 16.9. He's looking to strengthen those who are fully committed, fully trusting him. Are you taking time to wait on the Lord and look to him with expectancy? Are you increasing in your knowledge of the Lord? Those who know their God shall be strong. With that strength comes the ability to do great things for him. And are you taking time to ask God for strength on a daily basis? God, give me strength. Help me to increase. Is there a, an expectation, an understanding? You know that God wants you strong. He, it pleases him. You would, you would bless God today if you let him make you strong. It pleases him to do that. He's looking to do it. And expect, pray to God for strength in a way that there's an expectation not just for a minor bump that you seem to be doing a little bit better, an obvious increase. It's a sign even your enemies see it, something tangible. Obvious growth, unusual progress in those areas in your lives. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person watching or listening to this message. And God, I pray you'd stir our hearts that one, we'd see the importance. I need to be strong. And whatever level of strength I have, I thank you for it. But I don't want to, I don't want to plateau, that there is higher, there's further, there's stronger, which means there's more that I can do, more impact, more exploits I can carry out for you. Father, I thank you that you're the kind of God that wants to exalt my strength. You want to make me stronger. It pleases you to make me strong. Your eyes are scanning for people that would make themselves candidates for your strength to operate. So Father, I pray that myself and every person listening to this would fall into that category of, of person. And Father, those things that we talked about before that are in the category of too hard, too difficult, would rapidly move into the category of too easy. Areas of temptation. Father, where people used to fail, used to get tangled up in their emotions, in their, in their, in their conduct, in their behavior. Areas where they... they used to get angry and have a short temper or weren't able to, to be a godly husband, a godly wife, whatever it is, things that used to be too difficult quickly become too easy as a result of your strength functioning in them. Father, your word shows us that we can pray for strength. I'm asking for fresh strength in each of our lives. Show us a sign, a sign for good that we're, that, that's being accomplished in our lives. Lord, I praise you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking time to watch or listen. Again, I'd love for you to share this with someone else. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you very much.